Hello and welcome to the Erwin Mitchell podcast, here to keep you up to date with legal and financial news that matters to you. I'm Penny Koger, one of the partners at Erwin Mitchell, who specialises in advising individuals and businesses about pension matters and questions about pension tax. I'm in the hot seat today for our discussions with George and Naomi about pensions in the triple lock. So I'm delighted to welcome George Uglow. George is a financial planner here at Erwin Mitchell. He's also a qualified pension transfer specialist, a member of our personal finance team and qualified through the Chartered Insurance Institute. I'm equally delighted to welcome Naomi Neville, a senior associate solicitor from our tax, trust and estates team and a qualified trust and estates practitioner. Thank you both for joining me. So we're here today to support National Pensions Awareness Day. Today is all about raising people's awareness of the importance of preparing and saving for your retirement. We'll be looking at the key issues everybody faces, including our clients, when considering their pension options. We'll highlight the importance of taking advice. Apparently, only 39% of people retiring this year have taken any professional advice about their retirement. We want to show the importance of doing this. So, to kick matters off, I'd like to start with getting your thoughts on the latest news that will have an important impact on people who have retired, are about to do so, or are at the planning stages of their retirement. The first thing I'd like to talk about are the changes to the triple lock, where increases to the state pension are going to be suspended for a year. George, what's your take on this? Is this going to be the end of the story, do you think? Hi, Penny. Uh, I don't think so, unfortunately. So, just for just for people who aren't aware, the, the triple lock is an increase to the state pension, which is equal to the higher of inflation, so measured by CPI, the Consumer Price Index, average earnings growth, or 2.5%. So for many people, their state pension is one of the biggest sources of income in retirement. And the fact that it's so well inflation-proof is extremely valuable. I think in the short term, I can understand why the government have decided to take this action, given that we're coming out of or rather still in the middle of a global pandemic, which has understandably impacted the economy. But I do believe this could be a sign of things to come uh, and it could be could be scary for some people. So right now it's they've decided to freeze it. But I don't think that that will be the stop. We'll see more changes in the future. Very worrying, considering, as I've said, one of the primary sources of income for many in retirement is the state pension, which is so well inflation proofed. But this is just going to push more uh, more, more consideration towards private provision. So ensuring that you're on top of your own retirement planning. And it should hopefully encourage more people to engage with that sooner because, yeah, hopefully it, it, it will be changed back in, in the future. But I think it's a sign of things to come. Potentially there, there might not be a retirement age in the future. So private provision is going to become much, much more important. Thank you, George. And then the changes to the triple lock have been combined with reforms to the care sector. Naomi, do you think this is enough? Do you think the changes are fair intergenerationally? Well, I think it, it definitely all of it leads to an increased burden on the working population. The proposed levy, um, the care levy, does also impact on those who are receiving pensions, potentially, um, as they pay the additional national insurance level. But certainly those who are working are going to be um, needing to pay more into a private pension. They're going to be paying additional national insurance. And, and that increased burden really means that for all people of working age, we need to be taking advice on our pension arrangements earlier. Um, and as George said, getting financial advice around that in order to ensure that we have enough provision in future. Thank you, Naomi. 
Now, finally, I understand the DWP has confirmed it has significant delays in processing state pension payments. I know the DWP say this backlog will be resolved by the end of October. What can our clients do other than sit tight? George? Yeah, it's a, it's a difficult one. Obviously, there could be uh, there could be a number of causes. I think a lot of people have been off as well with uh, with COVID. Unfortunately, we we saw this at the the start of the year with national savings and investments as well. So NSNI, obviously, government government backed, and a lot of savers do have money in premium bonds and their savings accounts. And at the start of the year, they had issues there processing payments. So it is it is concerning. Obviously, if you've got other other sources of income that you can use fantastic if you've got other you know ways to draw down on things such as ISAs for example because you can take withdrawals at any time I think you know that in the short term that is one way to supplement your income but obviously you want these payments to be paid when they need to be paid because lots of people are relying on them absolutely so this brings us neatly onto the question of planning for your retirement what are the main issues for retirement planning what should our clients consider George yeah, so I think there's a few questions to answer when considering retirement. Firstly, every, everyone's different to, to start with. Everyone's got their own goals and objectives. But some of the most important questions are, firstly, when do I want to retire? So some people like a hard stop. Other people want to phase out. I think um, for, for my, well, myself included, you know, I'd want to, I'd want to phase out because I'd like to like to continue doing something in some way, some form or capacity. But I think the other question is, what am I actually going to live off? So do I have enough money to pay my bills? Great way to establish that is working with a financial planner to use some cash flow analysis. So cash flow analysis, this is a tool which provides a snapshot of an individual's current financial situation. So you can essentially put everything that, that you have in there, all of your holdings, and then using a series of assumptions, it projects forward how sustainable your income could be throughout the rest of your lifetime. So. As I say, it's just a snapshot. It is, in, it is an indication, but what it does do is help you spot where shortfalls might be, and then you can discuss the steps that can be taken to address them. So if you were saying to me, for example, I want to retire at 60 with a net income of £45,000 per annum, the cash flow might say, well, you can only generate 40000 based on your current holdings. So then we can have conversations around ways to plug that shortfall. Because it could be contributing more, could be changing your expenditure now, it could be considering downsizing property in the future. There's lots of ways to plug those gaps, but cash flow analysis is a great way to spot opportunities to address shortfalls. So when you are actually saving for retirement or potentially anything for that matter, it's important to understand what your objective is. So what do you want to achieve? Because pensions are a fantastic tool for retirement planning in terms of the tax relief that they offer tax-free growth within the pension and the ability to access them flexibly as well in retirement. When you're considering your objectives, you know, obviously pensions are great for retirement planning, but if you can't access them until pension age, it's important to balance other savings vehicles alongside them to make sure that you've got liquidity as and when you need them. So if you were saving for a house, for example, rather than retirement, then you'd want to use more accessible products such as maybe ISAs, general investment accounts, savings accounts, just so that you can have access to the funds when you need them. I think the other consideration is that the landscape for, for pensions is changing. 
So historically, many people would have stayed with the same employer, potentially for their whole career, and then moved into retirement with a final salary, guaranteed source of income alongside their state pension. But this is becoming less and less common. Most employers now are offering defined contribution pensions rather than final salary, which would have given the recipient a guaranteed source of income. Now, defined contribution pensions, the level of benefit paid in retirement is determined by the level of contributions that are paid into the plan. This could be a combination of both employer and employee, and then the result of any investment growth achieved whilst invested. Auto-enrolment was introduced in 2012, which automatically enrolls employees into a company pension scheme. The good thing about this is that there's minimum contribution limits, which means that once you're starting to build a pot for retirement, it's both yourself and the employer that are contributing up to these minimum levels. So the combination of the employer contributions coupled with the tax relief that you receive on your personal contributions can be a great way to begin to save for retirement. Thank you, George. Naomi, what other steps should people look at taking as regards planning for their retirement? Um, thanks, Penny. Um, it's really important at any age to begin planning for retirement. And um, in a legal sense, this involves a number of things, including wills, which um, we'll talk about later in terms of death planning. But actually, something that's really, really important is for every individual to have a lasting power of attorney. And um, these are documents which allow um, an individual to appoint somebody or multiple people that they trust to make decisions on their behalf if they later on become incapable of making those decisions for themselves. And while we think of LPAs as being vital protective documents for all individuals, the financial LPAs are particularly important as we're planning to think about retirement and with our pensions. Um, as George said, we're moving away from defined benefit pensions and more of the population is going to have um, defined contribution pensions on retirement. And those pension types have a need for more complex decisions to be made on retirement and also in retirement. And if at any stage when you're um, dealing with your pension, if you're receiving money from it or if you've got money invested in it, if you experience a loss of capacity and don't have attorneys appointed, there's a real risk that key decisions could be overlooked and your pension may not work as well for you as it otherwise could. That's very helpful. So when should people start planning? How young should they be? George, what would you recommend? Good question. So generally, the earlier the better. But that can be easier said than done. Obviously, everyone has different lifestyles. People spend their money in different ways. And when you're younger, potentially retirement can seem a long way off. But little and often is a great place to start. As you move through your career, you tend to not reach the peak of your earning powers until later in your career. So you tend to have more debt when you're younger, less disposable income, and then contributions tend to be maximised into the pension once debt's been paid down and the children are older. But if you can make a start early, it can dramatically improve the quality of your retirement. So the retirement living standards have some great resources to help bring this to life. So some of their research shows that around 70% or 77% of savers don't know what they'll need in retirement. And only 16% can actually give you a figure for what they need. So this just demonstrates that people aren't really engaging at, at this time with their entire planning. It's getting better, but there's still work to, to be done. They've also conducted some research into what retirement actually looks like. So what, what does this mean? What, what is a good retirement? How much do I actually need? So £10,200 a year 
is forecast to be the minimum living standard. So you can afford to buy food. You can go on a week long UK holiday each year. You can give a £10 birthday present, but you can't afford to run a car. So that's the minimum standard. A moderate level would be around £20,200 for an individual. So you can run a car. You can now go on a European holiday. You can spend £30 on birthdays and you can afford to do some home repairs each year. But ideally, I imagine most people would want the uh, the more luxurious retirement planning. So uh, supposedly 33000 is going to be what's going to allow you to afford more on birthdays, more on clothing, longer holidays, better cars, nicer food, eating out, you know, the things that generally most people want to do and just to be able to live more comfortably. But these numbers in isolation, you know, they can be tough to visualise, especially with inflation over the long term, which is where cash flow projections really bring this to life because, you know, it can project what this actually looks like for you. So if I'm saving X amount each month, what will that actually give me? And then what will that afford me in retirement? I think something else which is coming much, much more important is combining pension pots. So we were speaking before about the change from defined benefit to defined contribution pensions and that people change employers a lot more regularly now. So because of that, you can end up accruing lots of these different pots uh, all over the place. So just through your various periods of employment. So with these plans, some people may wish to consider consolidating them which can be a good idea, but can also carry some risks because you need to understand exactly what's inside these pensions before considering moving them anywhere else. Because with some of these defined contribution pensions, there could be you know, guarantees that are available, such as enhanced tax-free cash. So most pensions now allow you to take 25% tax-free at retirement. But pre-2006, there could be tax-free cash available that's up around the 30-40% mark. So obviously you don't want to lose that by transferring it somewhere else. There could also be guaranteed annuity rates, which are much higher than you can get on the open market now. Also, how much is your pension actually costing you? Each pension plan has a different cost. Typically, you'd expect to see these types of costs. So if you're receiving any ongoing advice, that would be cost number one. The cost of any underlying investments, so what are you invested in, how much do they cost, what are the transaction charges, it's important to understand that. How much does the actual pension wrapper cost, because each provider has a different different cost, and there can be admin fees associated as well. So you want to you know, fully review each of these plans, understand exactly what it is and understand what your objective is, because the main thing really is just understanding what your objectives are and then making the decision that's right for you once you've established exactly what you have. But planning for retirement, the earlier the better. And that's um, that's something that uh, we'll always always say. Thank you, George. That was very helpful. Um, what planning should people do at retirement? What should they consider? I always think this is a difficult question when we have no crystal balls. George. Yeah. <laughs> yes, indeed. So at retirement, so if you've done, if you've st if you started the process early, so you've reached retirement age, you've engaged with the retirement plans, you now know sort of roughly when you want to retire, you, you know how much you might need. It's been reviewed over the years, so you've got an idea of the sustainability, but it doesn't stop there. So the review should continue. You know, you want to ensure that arrangements are re remain suitable and you can account for any changes in circumstance. So if you've engaged your retirement planning early, you know when. You know that you can retire, but how are you going to retire? So is it a hard stop? 
Are you phasing out? What income are you going to live off? Do you need to access the pension? So when it comes to accessing the pension at retirement, there's a few things to consider because firstly, the pension is very, very tax efficient. So what I mean by this is funds inside the pension can grow tax free. So any investment growth, there aren't any tax implications. They're also outside of the estate for inheritance tax purposes. So if you pass away, that could potentially be passed on completely free of tax to the recipient. So when you're at retirement and considering whether you need to access the pension, you know, do you want to take the tax free cash out? Is it going to be spent or is it going to be sat inside your estate in a bank account? Obviously, interest rates are very, very low at the moment. So then you've also got the risk of inflation eroding the cash value. So it's just about understanding the purpose of 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 when and how to draw these funds. So if you did want to draw a regular income rather than lump sums, pension income is taxed at income tax rates. So if you have other sources of income, so rental income, for example, and then you start drawing extra from your pension and you're already in high rate, you know, you, part of that's already going to be taxed at 40 percent. But it all comes down to the individual. So planning at retirement, it's just all about understanding your objectives, looking at everything holistically and assessing the options and deciding what's best for you, taking into account those objectives, because it might be that you need to access the pension. It might be that accessing the pension puts you in a worse position. So it's just about understanding your options and then continuing to review them on a regular basis, because obviously things change over time tax rates change it's making sure that you're making the most of the funds available to you thank you george that was very comprehensive naomi should people be setting aside money for their care on top of everything else and what considerations are there for this um that's a really good question i think a lot of people come for legal advice sort of panicking about um paying for care fees in the sense of is there anything i can do to minimize my personal bill for for my own care and there are things that can be done and certainly speaking with a financial advisor and undertaking some cash flow planning will really help uh, with this element. I think the desire to rely upon state funding for care is a really um, difficult one because people feel very strongly that they've paid into systems that should support their care in later life. But actually, Often for people who have um, greater value estates, there is an element of choice that comes in with paying for your own care. If you can afford to pay for it, then you probably have a, a wider choice of the type of care home you go to, whether your care is being delivered to you at your own home. And choice is really important for a lot of people. So I think as part of this sort of broader conversation, yes, care fees planning is part of advice that someone should take or should consider whether that's an important goal for them in their saving. And if they're doing that alongside pension planning, that's something that a financial advisor can review in one go. If we're doing this at retirement, um, I think retirement is a big life change and it's sensible for any individual to get used to the change. And, and as George said, work out what their goals are before making any drastic changes or investing in anything that promises to to help them with their, their care funding later in life. But ultimately, once you're settled into a retired lifestyle and are confident that your finances are working well for you, that's when our clients tend to turn their attention to looking at sort of at their potential exposure for care fees and planning for that, and also turning their attention to younger generations of their family and how they might support them in future and minimise 
their own estate's future ex exposure to inheritance tax. All of these are things that we can put in the pot and help our clients meet their goals in respect of all of those elements. Thank you, Naomi. That brings me nicely onto the next question, which is we're regularly asked how clients should go about planning for their family's retirement. How can grandparents use their pension arrangements to pass down the family wealth to later generations if they're in the fortunate position of not needing all their pensions or other savings? George. Hi, yeah. So I think first and foremost, you need to ensure that your needs are met. Because obviously you're in retirement, you want to make sure that you have enough to, to live off and you don't want to gift away or restrict access to funds that you might require. So you want to ensure first and foremost that your needs are catered for, again, falling back to cash flow analysis, a trusty friend can always be used to establish, you know, what, if anything, can, can be gifted away or passed on. But looking at these things holistically is important. So ensuring that you're addressing all areas and not just working in silos, as a lot of areas can impact each other. So you want to have an eye on the future. You might make a gift now, but if you give funds away and then suddenly you you know, care needs change, for example, how are you going to fund that? You know, do you need to ask for those funds back? Are there other funds to draw on? So it's looking at everything and making sure that you're making informed decisions in line with your own needs and objectives. In my opinion, the modern day pensions now, so the drawdown or flexi access drawdown pensions are very generous in being able to pass them on to the next generation tax efficiently because funds inside the wrapper are not included inside the estate potentially you can pass those funds on completely free of tax depending on the age at which you, you pass away and if the recipient doesn't draw down all of those funds they can be passed on again and again and again so just the use of a flexible access drawdown pension can allow for several generations to benefit from pension savings in a very tax efficient manner but it all comes back to that holistic planning you know does one decision affect another we need to understand circumstances fully understand the objectives and the reasons for making those decisions and then and then plan accordingly because passing on wealth is you know it's great you want to support your family but then when you're considering sort of iht planning if you take money out of a pension to gift or however you may plan to make that gift you just need to look at the wider picture essentially so all about holistic planning when considering passing on wealth but the use of a drawdown pension can be very very tax efficient. Thank you George. Naomi what are your thoughts on this? Well I think I agree with everything that George has said and in addition I think that when you know once we've established that we have enough for ourselves and our own goals then, then there are some other things that aren't necessarily about tax um, or about pensions that that need to be considered so for their non-tax goals really such as is there anybody in our family that then um, themselves needs protecting for any reason? Is there a vulnerability in that person or is is there a potential for that individual to be influenced in a way that we don't like um, by a third party? Do we want to protect assets against the potential remarriage or divorce of our beneficiaries? Is there some scope in the future for a beneficiary to go have financial difficulty whether through uh, business endeavors or because they're not very good with money themselves and do we want to protect the future of our money and our beneficiaries and so once we can get an idea of how important these various elements are and what the risks are for particular families that's the starting point for any plan to um, pass down wealth through generations and and inheritance tax mitigation and planning with a pension can form part of that picture. Um, that's 
that's as George has said with the individual's own pension but also if we establish that um, an individual has excess wealth and they want to pass some of that down um, they can consider paying into pensions for their children and grandchildren as well as supporting their own financial needs and that can be an incredibly tax efficient way of providing for future generations but it also allows for that individual who might be quite young when that pension is starting to be invested that can really grow um, exponentially over a much longer period of time compared to the shorter period of growth that takes place during someone's own working life. Thank you Naomi. Well that brings us on to three certainties of life, birth, death and taxes. How should people start planning for their own death? How are pensions treated on death? Is it tax advantageous to die in pension terms? George? Sadly, it can be. Um, so when it comes to uh, the, how the pension is treated on death. So if you pass away before age 75, the pension can be passed on completely free of tax if, it, if it's remaining inside the pension wrapper. After age 75, the tax is only payable if funds are taken out. So if husband were to pass away at 74, funds go to wife completely tax free. So she can then draw on that tax free. No problem at all. If he were to pass away at, say, 80, she would then be taxed at her marginal rate of income tax if she were to access it. But if they have children or grandchildren and she didn't touch it, it could potentially be passed on to the next generation again. So it all comes down to who accesses it when. But generally, if you pass away before age 75, you can pass it on tax free. Afterwards, it could be taxable at the recipient's marginal rate of income tax. Excellent. That's good news, at least. <laughs> Naomi, is there anything you'd like to add? So because pensions are now so tax efficient on death and can be passed between generations without this um, fear of a large inheritance tax liability, many don't feel that they need to plan very much anymore. But there are still some key things that every individual that has a pension needs to think about. Um, they first need to make sure that they've completed their nomination forms and that they've kept those nominations up to date um, to account for changes in life, um, etc. Um, but while the pension itself allows for passing of the benefits between generations and to the chosen beneficiaries, the beneficiary that inherits can actually take on a fair element of control of the pension pot once it's inherited. And if the original pension investor would like to attempt to retain a level of control beyond their own death, then actually we can look at putting a trust in place that the pension is paid into on death to be held by trustees of the individual's choosing. And um, those trustees then can control that pension um, in terms of distributions from it and certain other decisions like continued investment, if that's relevant beyond the death of the individual. And so it, it provides an added layer of protection um, if there are complexities in the family that may need to be taken into account. Also, while a will is unlikely to mention pension arrangements specifically, um, it of course remains really important for all aspects of planning for death to make sure your will is up to date and that it remains suitable for the value and complexity of your whole estate and family circumstances. And this should be considered um, fairly regularly every three to five years. Thank you, Naomi. That was very useful. Well, there's always an ongoing discussion as when is someone a spouse but not a spouse? And I think it's worth checking the rules of your pension scheme to make sure that your spouse does actually qualify as a spouse under the terms of your pension and that they will benefit on your death. But sadly, this is not always the case. Well, that's my top tip for the day.
Thank you so much, George and Naomi, for this interesting and useful discussion. This is on a day when we're told 37% of people retiring this year don't think they'll have enough money to last for their full retirement, and 21% plan to downsize their homes. It all shows you can't do enough planning throughout your working life and at retirement for your retirement. Then you need to keep matters under review when you have actually retired and consider what you want to happen on your death and how you can achieve this. Well, that's all for today. Thanks for listening to the Owen Mitchell podcast. If you found it interesting, then please join us for our next episode. Bye for now.